Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Imagine if you could dry, detangle, style, and volumize your hair all in one step. Well, it's easy with the Not Doctor All-in-One Dryer Brush by Conair. Create beautiful blowout styles at home with a powerful 1,000-watt motor for quick drying and easy glide Flexalite bristles for snag-free detangling. Customize styling with three heat settings and use the cool shot to lock in your look. Ionic technology reduces frizz, bonus attachment volumizes your hair, makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for the Not Doctor All-in-One Dryer Brush now. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And before we get into this week's podcast, we'll go down through this weekend's results. On Friday night, we've seen Hertha Berlin 2, Schalke 2. Saturday, Mainz 2, Nuremberg 1. Freiburg 2, Hoffenheim 4. High scoring won that one indeed. Uh, Wolfsburg 0, Bayer Leverkusen 3. Borussia München Gladbach 2, Osberg 0. Borussia Dortmund 5, Hanover 1. Late kickoff game on Saturday, Werner Bremen 2, Eintracht Frankfurt 2. Then on Sunday, we had Bayern Munich breeze past Stuttgart 4 1. And then talking about breezing past the opposition, RB Leipzig away to Fortuna Dusseldorf winning 4 0. So, yes, that was uh, the, the roundup of the second games after the winter break. But before we get to the football on the Field. Uh, we're going to talk about something different uh, this week, aren't we? Um, joining uh, me is uh, Chris Williams. Chris, how are you this week? Bryson, very well, thank you. Um, fast week, glad to be back again. A great match day 19. But yes, as you're about to say, once we've said hello to Manu, uh, it was done in the shadow of a very important day. Yes, indeed. Um, that's right, we'll say hello to Manu first. Manu, um, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been good. Very busy as always. Um, lots of football coverage. It's all coming back. So, but I mean, that's, that's how, that's what we live for, right? So that's very good. And as, as you both said, yes, it was a very important, important match day, um, off the pitch today. Yes, it was. And so while obviously we'll talk about the on-field stuff in a little second, this weekend seen a, a memorial day for the Holocaust. Obviously a, a very dark and tragic, uh, part of history um that was on the 27th of uh, january um manu if if we go to you i mean what exactly do the bundesliga clubs do for for such a well such an occasion yeah i thought that the, it wasn't just the bundesliga teams it was teams um from all all the different competitions in germany and um, bayern of course they have a very strong link to the jewish community in munich um they're the most influential president, um, Landauer, of course, he was a Jew who had to flee the country during the, um, during Nazi Germany, during the time of Nazi Germany, during the time of the Third Reich. And Kurt Landauer is, um, rebuilt the club actually after he came back from a Swiss exile, um, after World War II, um, to make it, you know, 
basically laid the foundation for what the club is today. So um, there was a big memory on him. The club also remembered um, other members of the club that were, uh, that did not survive the Holocaust. Um, there's also, of course, Dortmund had a banner up yesterday um, about to always remember. And I think, I mean, this is, this is really, really important part, I think, of the fan culture and, Fan culture is quite stigmatized in general, but it really shows, I think this match that it really showed how aware or politically aware they are in, in large parts, because, um, this is a difficult time in, in many European countries or down south from us in the United States with the, the rise of far right wing, uh, populism. Um, I think nowadays the never again hashtag or the Holocaust Memorial Day hashtag are a very important uh, mechanisms just to remember. Um, remember this day, remember the atrocities caused by, by far right wing, um, governments, but also in general, what happened in Germany during that time. I mean, you know, Germany, of course, the perpetrator of World War II, the perpetrator of the whole, of the Holocaust. Um, I think that's, that's very important. It's very important to mark this day and to not forget. Um, I read a statistic today that, one in 20, this was from The Guardian, one in 20 people in Britain um, don't believe in the Holocaust. I think that is that is quite scary. So having this day is very important. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, Chris, um, to go to you on it as well, I mean, Manu said that you are just how important it is, um, especially across Europe. Um, I mean, why do you feel the clubs do this? Is, is it to get the message across to their fans, um, you know, so that they could all come together, work together, and uh, maybe not act ridiculously like s a small pocket of fans seem to do from time to time. Yeah, and it's, it's about remembering. And um, I saw a quote over the weekend, and you know, let's forget, let's not forget, as Manu said, it did happen in Germany, but it wasn't, it wasn't by the Germans, it was by the Nazi party and the Nazi government at the time. And, and the quote is, um, you're not responsible for what has been, but you're responsible for making sure that it's never forgotten. Um, and that, that's pretty much what is done across Germany year in, year out. Um, it's not forgotten. It's not about apportioning blame. It's about remembering what happened so it never happens again in the future. And um, as Manu said, I think it's a pretty pertinent time at the moment with the political shifts across, well, most of the Western world, Europe, um, America, etc. Um, yeah, it's always a time to remember things like this and and for anyone who's in the UK, Channel 4 um, did a fantastic documentary this weekend where they pieced together all the footage um, from the army, uh, British army, American army, when the camps were liberated and finished a documentary that was actually shelved in the 40s because it was deemed um, maybe too sensitive at a time when everybody was trying to reconcile them and build forward. So um, that's something to check out in the UK on Channel 4 if, if obviously you're in the United Kingdom. Yes, indeed. A, a great suggestion by, by Chris there and yeah um, credit to all the clubs um, around Europe that that did something for the occasion but uh, guys let's move on to the actual football over the weekend uh, and, and start with that Friday night game as we've seen Hertha Berlin take on Schalke uh, Manu this is somewhat of a, a rivalry uh, and some people might suggest well how how is that possible? I mean, they're they're over five hundred kilometers apart. Yeah, and it's a very one-sided rivalry, Bryce, um, because Schalke are not quite aware of this. It's um, this this one makes me juggle every year because it's just such a funny one. Um, Hertha 
fans absolutely despise Schalke. And in Gelsenkirchen, the message really hasn't come across. Um, one anecdote is that Hoop Stevens, when he, when he moved from Schalke to Hertha, he had, he had such problems with, um, the Hertha fans because being, working for Schalke in Gelsenkirchen, he never realized that Hertha fans didn't like Schalke because Schalke are very much indifferent towards Hertha. So this is a very kind of odd rivalry where one, club really hates the other and the other club is not even aware of the other club um it all had to do some digging to find out why this is and it all goes back to a 1971 cup match um where sultan Varga, a hertha player schalke got schalke protested the result hertha won this game 3-0 because sultan Varga was implicated in the match fixing scandal and the bundesliga match fixing scandal that um Cup that touched pretty much all the big clubs in German football, um, but Hertha was one of the ones. Bielefeld, uh, and as it later turned out, Schalke too. But Schalke got this match result annulled and then moved on to the cup and final and win the cup final. And Hertha have never really forgiven Schalke for that, especially when it came out that a bunch of Schalke players were involved in this. So that's where the Hertha rivalry towards Schalke comes from that's never really been reciprocated. Um, so a little bit of a funny Bundesliga anecdote in, in a sense. But yeah, it's uh, it's one that Schalke fans are often not aware of. Manu, you, you often would say that that type of rivalry would be like England uh, suggesting that they're um, in, a, in a rivalry with uh, Germany. No, I think the, I mean, I think Germans are aware of that England have that rivalry with, with Germany. <laughs> um, I think it's, 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 it's a little bit different because there is a little bit of a rivalry there, right? This is, this is, um, I don't even know if there's any other comparison. Um, I mean, it, this goes to such an extent that most Schalke fans don't know about Hertha even existing. And they're saying the reason, one of the reasons is that Hertha don't really have a local rival because they've always been the only club. And when, most of the other big clubs were playing in East Germany, right? So they, they they couldn't really form a rivalry of other big clubs that were not at the time part of the same country. Now, of course, they have Union, but Union and Hertha um, only have played together in a league once um, during a Bundesliga two season. So you know, it's just it just seems like it's it shows what of an island kind of island Berlin is in some ways when it comes to when it comes to football. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Set up an installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, but though I feel we need to talk a little bit about uh, the Friday night game. And Chris, we're going to go to you on this. Uh, the final score being 2-2, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the the show. Um, a bit of a close one. I mean, Hertha fans will have been happier this season with how things have went compared to the Schalke fans. Um, how exactly did this game go? Was, was it one-sided at all or, or fairly even? It was a very even game um, and and a fantastic game, really. Well, at least the first 45 minutes were. Um, the second half was a little limp, I suppose, compared to the initial one. But, yeah, we always like to see a, a fast-flowing Friday night fixture. It sort of sets the tone for the rest of the match day. And, and once again, this happened. It was um, it was a very exciting game. 2-2, obviously, in the end, but um, pretty much 2-2 at half-time. Um I think for me, though, it, it did sort of revolve around um, a, an issue which, which should have been sorted out, and it wasn't. And, and that was a red card early on in the game, um, which wasn't given um, to Kareem Rekic. Um, he got a, a yellow, um, and it was it was actually a terrible tackle um, on Schalke player on, on Schoff. And you know he's he's lucky that he didn't break his leg. If if anyone can. If anyone didn't see the game, look back on it. It looks in slow motion, horrendous, which I know Manu will say, and you'll say, and, and quite a lot of our listeners will say, if you watch any challenge in slow motion, it's horrendous. But this one particularly, even in slow motion, you can tell it's a serious foul. Uh, it's high above the ball. Um, Rekic's leg is locked out, and, it, and the full force of the foot and full stud implant onto Schoff's leg, um, halfway up his shin, or just below halfway on his shin, um, and, and really that should have been a red card and had that have happened um, I think the game would have been completely different but it didn't happen um, and the game went on and, and Schalke took the lead, exceptional goal um, and then Hertha pulled one back through Marco Gruic who scored a, a phenomenal goal made it and finished it um, so it was a very very good game but I know that Manu is going to touch on this um, whilst Hertha were very good it was a good team performance um, I think Schalke maybe um, were a little, little unremarkable in front of goal. And obviously we'll, we'll get to uh, Schalke in a little bit and let uh, Manu event uh, on that topic. But Chris, uh, if, if we talk about the goal scorer, Marco Gregg, um he, he's on loan from Liverpool. He seems to have been on loan to, to numerous clubs, it feels. Uh, and the Liverpool fans maybe don't know that much about him, to be honest. But uh, what does the future hold for him and for anyone that doesn't know what kind of player is he? Well he's a very versatile midfielder as he's shown himself um, at Hertha and Hertha themselves have said that they've been cry- crying out for a player like Gruwich for I think it's almost 20 years um, which is a bit of a statement to say um, about one player but yeah he's a very good player, Serbian obviously came from Red Star Belgrade to Liverpool and then out on loan um, well, at the moment at, um, at Hertha Berlin and and yeah, he can play in any of the three roles, really. He can play as an attacking midfielder, a central midfielder, or a defensive midfielder. Now, he's tended to play as more of a central role um, with Hertha. And, and yeah, he's um, he's been playing very well. I mean, they're, they're unbeaten with him in the side, which I think is, um, is quite a phenomenal statistic, really. And um, before, the, before the night's game, uh, for every game that um, Gruitsch had played in, you know, there was a return of 20 points and that was just through eight games that I played in. Obviously, that's gone up now to 21 points out of the nine games. But without him in the side, 
Um, Hertha have only picked up seven. So you can say he's quite key to the way they play. And if you haven't seen his goal, I mean, it's phenomenal. I tweeted out at the time that it's possibly a, a team goal of the season contender, not an individual goal of the season. It's not like a, you know, 45 yard scissor kick into top corner. But the way the turnover um, happens and Gruwich gets the ball, drives through, and it's a quick one-two. It's a very, very fast break. There's a beautiful back heel into Gruwich's path and he slips it. Um, he slips it past the keeper into the goal. And, and it's, it is a wonderful goal. And, and that's why I, you know, took a lot of time to appreciate it. But where does he go next? That's a very good move uh, or a very good question. Um, I could see him doing very well if he stayed at Hertha Berlin, but... You know, Hertha are renowned for taking, let's still we say, cheaper players and coaching them into better players. Now, I would probably think Liverpool would want somewhere in the region of 12 to 15 million um, pounds for him. Now, whether they're going to get that, um, I know there's a lot of talk, especially on social media, of is he worth 25, 30 million? Well, he might be worth that in the Premier League, but let's be realistic. Outside of all that TV money, he's probably worth about 15 to 18 maybe even only a million euros. So uh, that sort of brings down his, his available clubs, not just in Germany, but in France and even in Spain. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up if he manages after this a loan spell to return to the Bundesliga. But Hertha Berlin fans truly enjoying him at the moment. Uh, Manu, if, if we go to you then to talk a little bit about Schalke, um, season had, hasn't really went uh, to plan for them, has it? I mean, uh, last year, obviously a very good one, even if they weren't the most exciting team uh, to watch in the world. But um, th- this re- result, this draw, means that they haven't lost in, in three games. So it, it looked like things were a little bit more positive, but it, it's goal-scoring opportunities um, at the moment that uh, they're really struggling with, isn't it? Yeah, although they did get two in this game. Um, which is which isn't bad on the road that um, hurt them. I mean, of course, you look at the Bundesliga standings. They're twelfth. Um, they got twenty-two points out of nineteen games. Uh, the goal differential is a minus three, right? Um, I think the only positive at the moment, when you look at the table, is that there's fifteen games to play, and it's only six points to a Europa League spot. And I think that's really the only. Only European ambitions they can have this season is to, to get into the Europa League. If that, I mean, when you look at some of the clubs that are ahead of them in the standings, um, you see Leverkusen was improved this, this week, right? Hertha looked pretty good. Frankfurt looked good. Uh, Bremen looked good. And this is a game that we're going to touch on in a moment, right? Hoffenheim are in front of them. Even Mainz, um, I thought have been good at times this season. So it's a lot of clubs to get through to get to one of those two. Europa League spots, um, and that's that's going to be very tricky for them. And I, I and you sort of feel for Schalke because they they open, you know, every time they seem to have solved the problem, they open another can of worms for themselves. That that transfer for Arnaldo's transfer to Monaco, now they have to sign a defender, right? Um, they're still looking for a striker. Um, Nikola Kalinic from Atletico Madrid has been heavily linked. Um, I covered. Croatia quite a bit during the um, World Cup and he was sent home from from that team so uh, you know we're talking about a team that where, where people are saying you know they're losing some of their face their identity by letting a player like Naldo go so um, now they're being linked with someone like Kalinic and another name that have been linked with is Benatia so you know those are two cans of worms after opening first the can of worms of Naldo letting Naldo go they, they may be bringing in two more 
signings and not cheap signings either from the sounds of it. And then, um, the whole goalkeeper situation, I, you know, I know Ralf Fehrmann hasn't been perfect in the first half of the season and I know Nübel is an extremely talented goalkeeper, um, who has been by some people linked already, you know, there's been made parallels to Manuel Neuer. I think that's kind of unfair a little bit because no keeper is the same, but he is, he is a very, very talented goalkeeper and he needs his playing time. But to open that can of worms at this moment, it seems, it seems like they're doing this a lot. And from when you trace it back to all the way to when Tedesco started, that's basically how Heidel and Tedesco have been doing things from day one. We all remember the Benedict Hurvides saga, the, the very first few weeks of them both being at the club. Now that in retrospect may have worked out for them, but it seems like that they are so. Their number one determined seems to be almost like a culture change. And it's, it's almost too much. It's like turning over the field too often and doesn't real, real you better results. So I think that is something that they, they have to sort of settle this club rather than like turn, turning it over all the time. Um, and I think that is something that might cost them a European League spot at the end of the day. Yeah, things don't get much easier on the next match day either when they come up against Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think it's going to be a, a rather difficult challenge to get that Europa League uh, spot. But let's see what happens. Uh, guys, let's talk about the top of the table then on Saturday. We've seen uh, Borussia Dortmund well. You would say a breeze um, past uh, Hanover 5-1, but Chris, it took a little while for them to really get going. Uh, 5-1 would suggest that you know they tore them a new one, but uh, first half it was 1-0, and then in seven minutes uh, in the second half they, they just well added another three. Uh, it didn't seem to be quite going um, to plan for Favre completely in the first half. And what was the reason for this? Well, yeah, it was a very strange game, um, and to be to be frank, Dortmund should have been one uh, nil down inside um, the first minute, um, but Roman Berkey bailed them out again with a with a very good save um, from a, a very good header um, from Hendrik um, Weidenjant, which I'm you know look back on it today as well and thought that he really should have put that away and he didn't, and, and that probably changed the game for them. Um, but before going to Dortmund, it was probably a little bit unfair on Schalke there, Bryce. And before I get inundated by um, complaints saying that I'm you know, anti-Schalke, I think Tedesco has been dogged by a lot of injuries, so um, I'm going to let him off with that. So, uh, But back onto this game. Um, yeah, Dortmund, they didn't have it their own way. Their free-flowing wasn't particularly good, and I think maybe, uh, just maybe on that, um, and I know he's been sacked, but Brighton writer obviously did his homework um, on how important Axel Witzel was to Dortmund's system and um, Hanover sort of crowded him out and he wasn't able to get going in the first half. Now, that completely changed in the second half, but um, Hanover looked like a team full of intent when they started. They just, you know, really, they didn't, apart from that early on header, they didn't create... Okay, they created chances, but they didn't have anybody to, you know, let's look at who Dortmund had. So they had Royce, Sancho, um, Alcacer, Gotze, uh, even Guerrero. If, if Hanover had a player of that stature or maybe who's scoring as freely as one of those, I think this game could have had a different start. But I know Man is going to talk about the second half, but, you know, the second half really was, if you want to know why Hanover are rocked solid 
you know, down there at the very bottom of the table, this second half showed why, because they made a massive mistake. And once they went 2-0 down, it was all of a sudden, it was like, Rob, we ain't getting out of here without um, anything but a hiding. And they sort of fell into themselves. And, and that's not the attitude you need if you're fighting for survival. It should have been, you know, how many football cliches can they get in here? But they should have pulled their socks up and, and gone hell for leather in the second half once they went 2-0 down to maybe put something back onto Dortmund. But they didn't. They folded. And um, in the end, I know we had a chat in our uh, WhatsApp group. I'm of the opinion of Matthew Marshall, who went to the game for us. Um, I did the thoughts. Um, sorry, I did a match report on Football Stat. Um, he did the he did the thoughts, and you yeah, were both of the opinion that maybe eight one wouldn't have been a, a score line that maybe presented Dortmund in in a better light than they were. Manu, do you think it's going to be a problem as the season goes on? I mean, we talked about you things maybe not going to plan for Favre. The start of this game, you know, ultimately things went rather well. We talked about it being a, a bit like a, a ketchup bottle at all coming out uh, at once, but. Do you think that maybe against other opposition, tougher opposition, then, you know, Favre may come up against them a, a few issues and potentially drop a few points? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, I think, I think Dortmund's style of football can be very deceiving. It's, it's, I thought about this yesterday and this is something actually I mentioned in the, our uh, famous WhatsApp chat that, it reminds me a little bit of a the, the style that they play reminds me a little bit of a ketchup bottle. It's it's a very slow build up in all of Favre's games, and those who have followed Favre's career know that that's how he plays. It's 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 always slow, 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 and then it's kind of like pushing on the back of the ketchup bottle. Nothing comes out. Nothing comes out. Nothing comes out, and boom! All of a sudden, your plate is full of ketchup. In this in this case, it was uh, you know, three goals in seven minutes against Hannover. Um, I think that's just how they play. I think that they just, they just, it just looks sometimes like they, they don't do much or they seem almost vulnerable because there's another back pass, another ball around the box, and then always this kind of probing the defensive line. And also, and I think people have to remember this, Favre's defensive style is very unorthodox in that that they actually give their opponents quite a bit of space in the areas where there is a low probability of scoring. So that can make it look dangerous. On the other hand, Chris is quite right. Hannover could have taken the lead in this game. And that we have seen in the game against Düsseldorf that that sometimes can cause them trouble. Um, but then we have also seen a number of occasions that they have come back and, and turned over games. I think, I think they are still in many ways a project and, um, they are so far ahead of the developing curve that against 90% of the Bundesliga sides and on a good day against Bayern, they will, they will have a good chance of winning the match. Um, the same is the, is the case in Europe. I think when, when you look at the games, um, in the group stage, the group that they won, um, they beat, Atletico Madrid at home 4-0, right? But on the other hand, if something goes wrong, then it, it seems to be still, you know, things seem to just not work at all for them. Um, I think the, 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 in the first, in the hinrunde, the game against Hannover where they drew 0-0, the defeat to Düsseldorf, and of course the 0-0 against Bruges and the defeat to Atletico Madrid highlight this. So 
I, I think, I think that they have a few tests ahead of them yet. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if they keep playing like this, um, you know, they really just need to win all the games. They could even afford to lose to Bayern and they still would win the title. Yeah. Since then, if, if we just move on and talk a little bit more about Hanover, um, Chris, you did say that, yeah, they, they were pretty, well, pretty terrible, really. And uh, since uh, that game, they have now brought in a new coach, uh, former German attacking midfielder, Thomas Dahl, who has, um, well, he's, he's managed quite a few clubs and most recently in Hungary, I believe. Um, what exactly do we know about him? And is there any possibility of him being able to keep Hanover in the Bundesliga? Oh, well, <laughs> I think he's been given... Um, a hard job. If he's been brought in with the remit of you're to get us out of the relegation, um, Maya, I, th- I think that is a hard ask because there's still, um, there's still a three point gap to Stuttgart. Um, and then that's only the relegation place. Then we're looking if they want to take on Augsburg. That's a four point gap. And then outside of that, you know, the gap between Augsburg and Fortuna at the minute is six points. So I think it would be, I'm going to say almost impossible with that side and the way that they've been playing late, and the mental sort of um, showing that they've done on the pitch, as in when they fall behind or make a mistake and they fold like they did this weekend, I don't think he's going to be able to make up that 10-point gap as it stands now to 14th place. So they're going to be locked in a relegation battle from now till the end of May. So I, I do think if he's been given that remit of gets out of the, of the mire, um, that's a hard one because you are looking at 10 points. Um, it may be a fact that they're preparing for next year, and why not? He's, you know, he's a player with a lot of experience. I mean, he's a manager, as you've said, with international experience, and sometimes it's a bit of a a problem for that to translate to club football. But I'm sure he'll be good enough to get his mind back in that club football frame again after, as you say, managing Hungary. So. Maybe it's an eye on the future. Um, I think it's pretty certain that they're going to drop down. And will they come back up as they have done the last, you know, few seasons as such? They are um, a yo-yo club um, or an elevator club, um, and they probably sit somewhere in about twenty to twenty-first out of the top thirty clubs um, in the Bundesliga. So for them actually to be seventeenth at the moment is no great shame. It's not like we're talking about, you know, one of the current top four sides that are sitting down in 17th place. They're a team that, you know, I particularly thought um, would get relegated this season anyway, so I'm going to be under no surprise. And Thomas Dahl, I think, will be under that same thought process at the moment. I think it's pretty likely they're going to go down, Bryce. It's, has he got time to build for next season? I think, Chris, the only positive for them at the moment is that everyone around them is losing too, right? Stuttgart lost, um, Nuremberg lost, Augsburg lost, and Düsseldorf lost. So that's the only only yeah, positive. And, and that, yeah, and had had the match day gone against them, um, you know, I think the the gap to that fourteenth place, I'm going to say it's impossible now. It's ten points, um, and and what we've got nowhere near enough games for that to make up 10 points. If we're going to talk about, you know, the other, say, the table, could Leipzig make up the, um, I think it's, uh, well, it's too many now, but could could Leipzig make up that gap to Dortmund? You could have a discussion about that, but right down the other end of the table, I'm going to give Hanover and Nuremberg absolutely no chance of making up that 10 points to, to 14th. Manu makes a very good point um, by saying, everyone around them seems to be uh, losing as well. Uh, between the, the bottom four 
sides, uh, there's only one of those teams have recorded a win in the last five games, last five match days. Uh, that's 20 games and one win. So, yeah, those, those bottom four teams have um, a, a lot of work to do, I think, just to even stay up. But um, it, Thomas Dole will be starting his uh, managerial uh, time with Hanover against RB Leipzig on Friday night, uh, followed by Nuremberg and then Hoffenheim. So he definitely has his work cut out for him, doesn't he? Um, guys, uh, let's uh, move on. We're going to talk about the Saturday night game where we've seen uh, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, play away from home against Werner Bremen. Um, Manu, well, I'll, I'll go to you uh, on this. Um, we talked about this uh, on WhatsApp. What a goal by uh, Revic, eh? Um, he is continuing to impress. Yeah. Um, what goals, period. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of them, but yeah, that one by Rebic was absolute class. Um, the way he stops that ball and has the defender come towards him and he has the nerve to put the ball, you stop it with his right and then just, it even, it looks so slow while he does it and puts it on his left and then beats the keeper with it, um, through traffic. That was was an outstanding goal. Um, go go and watch it back. Um, while you're at it, watch all the other goals as well because um, Maximilian Egerstein scored an absolutely amazing goal as well for Werder. This was a great game. It was a really, really good game between two sides that came out to play and play good football. And it's a game that I wasn't surprised by the, the attacking acumen by both sides. What surprised me a little bit, and this is, this is something that people have criticized about Werder Bremen in particular, is that they're a little bit of a slow side. A lot of very creative players, um, in Davy Class and the, the Egestein brothers, right? Max Kruse. Um, the only exception maybe when it comes to speed is, uh, Rashika. Um, they're all, they're all good technicians, but they're not exactly players that come with a lot of speed. So when I wrote the preview for this, I thought, okay, Frankfurt, they're going to love playing against this team because Frankfurt have such a fast team, such a, such a good team when they come, when they hit teams on the break. But, um, Bremen almost turned this around in the first 20 minutes or so. They were very good when they won the ball to quickly break forward and, Frankfurt really struggled with their, their three-man defense a little bit. And it's something that I haven't seen um, that often yet this season. They Bremen almost managed to isolate the, the three defenders and take them on in one-on-one situations. And maybe, interestingly enough, that is where Frankfurt's only lack of speed is a little bit. Hasebe, as good of a tactician he is, playing almost like a libero, is not the fastest anymore. And Bremen almost pulled him out of the defense and took him on in one-on-one situations, and that completely disentangled um, Frankfurt's defense. And I thought that was it was very clever the way they played that. Um, and I thought it was also very excellent how Frankfurt responded to going down, um, playing basically exactly the kind of football that I thought they should have played from the beginning, just trying to hit the ball quickly forward and, and breaking um, Bremen apart through midfield. So. This was a really fascinating game to watch because it was just back and forward and not necessarily what I anticipated from this game because I thought this would be Bremen sitting in midfield trying to break down uh, Bremen through uh, Frankfurt through passing play. But instead, it was just a back and forward uh, through the entire 90 minutes, a true top spiel. Yeah, and absolutely no disrespect as well to Maximilian Ergestein as well. That was a really special goal as well. And what, what a turn. Just before he slotted that one away, yeah. Um, 
Chris, if we talk about both of these teams, uh, Vernon Brown and Eintracht, uh, what are their realistic goals for this season? Eintracht, can they possibly, you know, jump from fifth into one of the Champions League spots? You know, we've seen just how special European nights uh, in the Europa League can be there. That would be something else. And what about Vernon Bremen? Could they possibly climb the table? They're, they're in 11th at the moment and, and get a Europa League spot. Well, I mean, we've all watched Frankfurt this season and seen how fantastic they are. And the, the match on um, Saturday night was another good indication of that. In fact, you know, when I watched that match, I pretty much thought it was quite similar to the Friday night's game, but it had two equally good halves of football rather than, you know, just the one with um, Hertha and Schalke. But, I mean, it's a good question. Where can they go? What can they do? I still think for all the good play that they've done in Europe this year, that the Champions League would be a step too far for Eintracht. They've been out of Europe for a while. Um, I think a good... I mean, we, the three of us have said that we could see them maybe even get into the final with the draws on the right way and the, and the way they've been playing, especially away from home. I don't think they fear anybody. And, you know, back in the Commerce Bank Arena, that is an atmosphere that no team in Europe will want to go to. I personally think that um, if they win it, obviously they will go into the Champions League. I think that could be the detriment to them. I think they could do with maybe two or three seasons of consecutive Europa League football before they make that step up. Because look what happened to Leipzig. Look what happened to um, Hoffenheim. There is a big gap from the Europa League to the Champions League. You're talking about European elite, European royalty, playing the likes of... Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund week in, week out, home and away in the Champions League. I think that would be a big ask for Eintracht. They are playing European sides who are in a similar setting to them on a similar level. So they're still playing competitive games, but they're equally competitive. There isn't like a disconnect between, you know, a squad. I mean, let's say Eintracht went to somewhere like PSG or Manchester City. You know, there is a massive difference in the sort of... um, the sort of money that's been spent on players, coaches, staff facilities, etc. So I think Eintracht, I would love to see them in the Champions League, but not yet. And as for Werder Bremen, yeah, they've been playing really well, but it's another instance, maybe should they have won this game? And if you look back, they had less possession, but as I always say, it doesn't matter you know, how much you have the ball, it's what you do with it. 18 shots, nine on target, only two goals registered. You know, factor that with Eintracht, who had four uh, sorry, eight shots in total, four on target, two registered. That's a pretty good return for a night's work. Um, if Werder Bremen want to get into the Europa League spots and then the Europa League, they'll have to improve on that a bit. But yeah, why why couldn't Werder go on and maybe get into the Europa League placing? But at the moment, my money would be on Eintracht to be there this time next year again. Chris, maybe to to add on on Eintracht, if I mean we've we've spoken about this many times before, right? But when it comes to, and I, I agree with you 100%, I think Champions League football comes uh, maybe just a year too early. But that said, they are a club. When you, when you go back to the, the history of how Dortmund became a big club for the second time, right? After the almost bankruptcy in the two, in 2004, 2005. For me, when I look at all the big cities in Germany that could produce the, Produce a team that could long-term challenge, um, and I take Leipzig aside because there's a special case, to Bayern and Dortmund. You, you can't look much further than Frankfurt. 
uh, you guys both know I cover the financial aspects of German football for Forbes. It's such a wealthy, rich city with such a big corporate um, backing, right? And then you have a big club, a big stadium, a stadium that's going to be expanded for the European Championships. They are the sleeping giant of German football, and they're being slowly but surely awoken um, from the from the slumber. Um, through the excellent work that Kovac did there and Bobic is still doing there. I think it's only a matter of time for them to become that football royalty that they almost became in the 90s if it hadn't been for all the financial mismanagement at the club for many, many years. Oh, yeah, completely on board with that. And, you know, having been to the city myself, it's a wonderful city. and It's a very rich city and, and there's a lot of disposable income, um, not just business, but also for, for personal there. And yes, they, it is a fantastic city and they do have all the, the building blocks. I, I just do feel that if they were to all, if the stars were to align this season and they were to go and win the Europa League and be in next season's Champions League, I do think at the moment in their, development they'd suffer a similar fate to that of Leipzig and Hoffenheim and I would like them just to stay in that Europa League for a couple of seasons in order to build you know that squad and that European knowledge so when they do finally take that step up it's not a very big step because they've got all that um, all that experience behind them and almost they want to be like an Atletico Madrid type of side and, and I could see them becoming a side like that with the right back in and you know a little bit of luck behind them getting the right recruitment of players consistently starting uh, sorry consistently finishing the season you know with a, a good solid foundation behind them I could see them being like an Atletico Madrid and they're a side that could operate in the Champions League or the Europa League on pretty much the same high level and that's where I would like to see someone like Eintracht Frankfurt be but I think if it was to come next season, as you said, it would probably be maybe 12, 18, 24 months too early. But Manu, you talked about uh, recruitment uh, being key uh, for Eintracht and the, them obviously you know, coming on leaps and bounds uh, in, in the last two years. Uh, but do you think um, you know, Chris made a very valid point about them staying in the Europa League, maybe just ever so slightly longer? Um, but do you think the likes of your know, Rebic, Jovic, and uh, Haller, you know that fantastic front three that we mentioned, it's going to be hard to hold on to those type of players. Uh, maybe even Champions League football would keep them a bit longer with it, or maybe financial backing they got would maybe help. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because if you make the Champions League, there's also a bit more attention on those players, and yeah. It's kind of hard to foresee what will happen with, with the television money in, in Britain, right? We, we're entering now, we're two months away from Brexit. That's a factor and the people have to remember that. But the, the offers will come not just from England, they will come from Spain and they will come from, from other clubs in Germany. I know Borussia Dortmund, for example, have been linked on numerous occasions with Halle. Um, Bayern have been linked with Jovic. I mean, those, those offers will come and, Frankfurt have to handle them in the right way. They might have to give up a key piece in order to develop the club further. Remember, Atletico Madrid had to do this all the time and they're on their path to where they are today. Um, I mean, a lot of our listeners will, of course, remember Fernando, they had to sell Fernando Torres or Con Aguero, right? To do the Premier League and use that money to, to build up the club further. Sometimes that's, that's a necessary step and that, that might be just a reality for them. Um, I think, when you look at the league table right now, Bryce, I think it's very unlikely for them to finish in the top four, but they, they could win the Europa League if the stars align and then they're in the Champions League anyways. 
So let's see. I think it, 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 it's a balance. Um, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a kind of a, a, a balance thing right now for them. Sometimes making a smaller step forward means less attention on the players that you have. And maybe they will, it makes it actually easier for them to hang on to the players. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to be an interesting one. And as we said, there's pros and cons to either scenario there. But guys, let's move on. Uh, talk about Sunday game in uh, Bayern Munich versus uh, Stuttgart. And yes, a little bit like the uh, Borussia Dortmund game. As in the, the scoreline 4-1 suggesting it was uh, a bit of a breeze. Not quite the case though, was it? Um, we've seen it go to 1-1. We even seen then a, an own goal for uh, Bayern Munich to go ahead, and then a missed penalty from uh, Lewandowski, which you don't really expect. Um, Chris, um, I'm I'm right in saying that it was a, a little bit more of a struggle than the scoreline suggests, right? Yes, it was. But if you're Bayern Munich and you're struggling a little bit and you're trying to keep track with Dortmund, if you end up winning four-one, that's really all that matters. And I think Kovac will look at this game and they will see um, areas where they could have improved. But then he's also doing tactical changes at work himself. So uh, whilst you would say, yeah, you've got the likes of um, Lewandowski missing a penalty and, and maybe he's playing within himself or below his normal level. And, and he is, and there's a lot of people saying that and, and they're quite right. But he's still also scoring 12 goals Um He's just not at that level we're used to. And as Bayern are trying to make up that gap as they're coming out of what was a pretty torrid September, October, early November, um, you know, it's really only late November, December, and now we're back into the season. They've started looking like a Bayern side who maybe can challenge Dortmund, but they've got to make up those six points. And I think they're just like a very slow... Well, almost like a um, tortoise and hare. And you've got Dortmund are racing off as a hare and they're doing exceptionally well. But um, Bayern are there just like that old tortoise, plodding along, getting the results. And at some point, if they just keep playing like this, maybe Dortmund will draw, maybe they'll lose. Uh, maybe they'll be able to make up one point or will they make up a full three points on them? And then it's all going to start going a little bit different. So as it stands at the moment, yes, OK, Bayern aren't playing particularly well. But they're winning 4-1 and that's a sign of a good side with good foundations to, to kick on from that because if they're winning 4-1 at the moment and they're not playing particularly well, what's it going to be like when they click? Are they going to start hammering five and six past teams? And you know, with, with the players they've got who are coming to the fore at the moment, Leon Goreska looks very good. Um, you've got the likes of Thomas Muller who look to be back into that little form. Their midfield looks fantastic no matter who you put in it. Is it Martinez, is it Gnabry, whoever you want to throw in it. Um, you know, Alfonso Davies made, um, you know, as, as there to, to be able to, to make a statement now. And these are all players that can help Bayern fully click in. So yes, um, they weren't particularly good, but who cares because they won 4 1. Yeah, I'm sure that's what. Nico Kovac and the Bayern Munich fans will be thinking. Um, Manu, if, if we go to you, I mean, uh, do, do you um, agree with Chris that yeah, it doesn't matter? You know, they've 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 got this uh, result you know, on a day that they maybe weren't firing on all cylinders, or do you think that there's um, a little bit to be concerned about? I mean, if if we look at the form table at the moment, they've been fantastic. You know, they've won eight games in a row. They're doing their very best to to keep pressure on Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, I think Chris is absolutely right. They're doing what they need to do. 
And I think too that we have to give Kovach credit um, where credit is due because his side, um, they took that early lead. Complacency struck like so many times before. Um, Stuttgart got back into the match and had it not been for Neuer, it would have been 2-1 in that, in that first half for Stuttgart. Um, made an excellent save from close range from um, Donis, um, super cross Donis in within the six yard box, got a foot on it and, and Neuer was in position to make that stop. That would have been 2-1 and then who knows what happens in that stadium, right? Boos and whistles and the sort of sort of atmosphere that's not great um, if you want to be successful. Now, I think that in he made a couple changes and I thought it was really excellent how he took off Javi Martinez, um, who is not the fastest. He moved Leon Goretzka back into central midfield. He was starting as a number 10. He put him into next to Thiago. Thiago had to then move in back a little bit further, right? And Goretzka was almost that box, box midfielder. And then he put Gnabry on the wing and put Müller in the center. And all of a sudden this, this team was way better. Um, they were faster. They were, um, better on the break. They had more urgency to their football. Um, Gnabry made the goal happen. It was given to Christian Gentner as an own goal in the end, but he made that goal happen. And I thought that yes, Stuttgart then had another chance. They had the post, right? To make it 2-2. Um, but of course Lewandowski also missed the penalty. So I think there is work to be done for Bayern, but I think they responded very well. Um, in, in that, that they, the problems that Stuttgart threw at them, they handled well, and then they responded well to it. And in the end, you know, 4-1, um, it really shows, shows how good of a side they can be when, when they really work hard. I think sometimes, I think they, they're now at a stage, Bryce, where they haven't, they, they still think it's easy. The, the entire rest of the league has gotten better, right? And they haven't really quite caught on at times. And sometimes, you know, they, they want to go into that auto, autopilot mode that they had under Guardiola, but that's just not, they're just not good enough for that anymore or not at the right stage in their development. So the moment they do this, they go in this autopilot mode. Other teams are like, Oh, wait, they're, they're just passing the ball around now, but they, they're not fast or quick enough. We can hit them now. And I see this. So they, they have to learn that they have to work for their success again. And I think that it can be tricky at times. Yes, indeed. Um, Chris, uh, just very, very briefly, we're going to touch on uh, Stuttgart. I feel we we see them down in 16th. Uh, they've got Freiburg up next. Uh, they've got 14 points. As you mentioned earlier, they're three points ahead of Hanover and Nuremberg, but then only one point behind uh, Augsburg. Being third from bottom will mean that they will go into that relegation playoff game. Um, do you see that it's just between Stuttgart and Augsburg? At the moment, as to who finishes in 16th, or do you think they can possibly beat Freiburg, win a few more, and climb up any higher than that? No, I'm going to say what I said last week, Bryson, and that is I think the bottom two are done, um, and it's going to be between Stuttgart and Augsburg for the rest of the season to see where we're going to end up in um, mid May. Uh, you know, are we going to. Be, um, are we going to be in Stuttgart or are we going to be all around Manu's parents and just getting the bus to Augsburg? I like Spätzle. Spätzle are great. Yeah, they excellent Spätzle. Both both Stuttgart and Augsburg. Yeah, and uh, of course Stuttgart is in the Baden-Württemberg side of Swabia, and Augsburg in the Bavarian side of Swabia. But 
both both Swabian uh, sides make excellent Spätzle. So I am happy with that, Chris. <laughs> yeah, there's a surprise anyway. But uh, to go back to uh, Bayern again, um, Chris, uh, is there any transfer update um, on Callum Hudson? Adoy, uh, the, the Chelsea youngsters, uh, is he going to move this month? I mean, there's only a few days left. <laughs> yeah, there is. Well, um, he's handed in a transfer request. Now I can almost see Manu throwing his hands back um, in his room as we record this. Because yes, we've seen players in, in Germany, you know, talk about it. And it's always, if there's ever a player potentially moving from the Bundesliga to the Premier League, there's always, will he hand in a transfer request? Now, in England, they still do hold quite a bit of water transfer requests. And the reason they do is because it's genuinely a forced thing. So um, I'll take you all the way back from when Fernando Torres moved from um, Liverpool to Chelsea. He was always going to go, but Liverpool made him hand in a transfer request. The reason they did that is because it shows everybody outside of the club that we can't really keep him because he doesn't want to be here. Let's get rid of him. He's a bad egg. Now he's handed in a transfer request, so everybody connected with Chelsea is now on the defensive. Well, get rid of him. Doesn't want to be here. Get rid of him. Doesn't need it. He's only a kid. Who does he think he is? And the club come out of it looking a lot better. So he's handed in a transfer request. He will probably move if um, Bayern pull their finger out in what's left of the transfer window. Um, and he scored maybe a departing goal this evening in the FA Cup, and it was a very, very good goal. Ball came over to him. He was on the right out uh, on the right hand side, chopped back in with a with a chop, which we see week in week out by Jaden Sancho, and then a finish um, a finish to match anything that we've seen by Sancho. So hopefully, um, maybe not the next time we pod, maybe the pod after that, we'll be talking about Callum Hudson Odoi and his forty million euro move to um, Bayern Munich. What we do know is that both Liverpool and RB Leipzig were linked with him. I've read today from various credible German sources that neither of those sides are interested in him whatsoever. So it looks like a fight between Bayern and Chelsea. But with him handing that transfer request in and him scoring tonight and getting a muted reception, I think maybe we're looking at a few days. Yeah, I heard the latest offer is now 46 million euros, Chris. That's an incredible amount of money for an 18-year-old who has played 61 minutes in the Premier League. Yeah, and um, he has scored twice in his last six starts, um, and he is very, very good. And you look at the Chelsea Academy, and they're talking about him. And, and if you look back from when Sancho was at Manchester City, you know, um, Hudson Adoy was maybe the one that was touted that was going to break into the first team and be a little bit better than Sancho. Sancho's gone to Bundesliga, set it on fire, showed exactly what he is, what he's all about, what fast English attacking wingers are all about. And Bayern obviously want a piece of that, and Chelsea know that. So it's almost getting to that name your price stage. But with him handing in that transfer request, I'm not surprised. Maybe the it's bumped up a little bit now because the club know he's desperate to get out. I think everybody knows Bayern are desperate to buy him. So Chelsea are quite happily trying to screw just a few more euros out of the deal. Absolutely. And yes, it's very true that uh, anyone we've spoke to um, seems to have rave reviews um, about uh, hudson Odoi. So it could be a very exciting uh, signing for Bayern Munich and the Bundesliga, I suppose. But let's just see if that one gets over the line for the end of the month. But um, Manu, you, you'll 
probably know a little bit more on this youngster. Um, Bayern continue to sign uh, young players, a young American defender in Chris Richards from FC Dallas. What do we know about him? Yeah, very briefly about him. He's been training with the club for the last half year. Bayern have um, a development agreement with the Major League Soccer side Dallas FC. So um, Chris Richards is a, it was a member of that academy, and as part of the agreement, they they get to send players over to train with the Bayern Youth Academy, and they were pretty impressed with him. So they they signed him. Um, they paid 1.5 million euros for him, which is which is a decent amount of money for for a young American, right? Um, so they see something in him, and he's a talented defender. So yeah, good another good young American making his way over, and I mean he. The way the Bundesliga goes, he will probably get his chance. Although I'm, I'm pretty sure that if he wants to get a chance playing in Germany, he will probably get loaned out at some point. I think it's probably worth remembering, and Manu, you'll know this, um, and Bryce, I think you will as well. But just for all our listeners, is I don't think this is going to be the last of American players you see going to Bayern Munich because obviously they've got that. Um, FC Bayern GPS, a global premier soccer partnership where, you know, currently they're looking at 92,000 kids a season. And okay, that is from you're looking at under eights all the way to under 16s, but that is a lot of kids that they are actively scouting and actively working with to try and bring through. So uh, I, I think this is going to be a constant trickle over the next maybe even 10 years. Yeah. And it is that young kid that Ryan Johansson would. That declared for Ireland today, right? Who is also in Bayern's Youth Academy, and they found him in Luxembourg. So that's just what they're doing. They're spending a lot of money on their academy. Um, but to keep this American specific, all the Bundesliga teams are heavily scouting in the US because a lot of the MLS teams have very good academies now and um, are very, very athletic and very, very good in one one v one situations because that, the MLS is all about that. Um, and the, the tactical aspects you can teach them, right? So that's why you see quite a lot of links between North American players and academies and Bundesliga teams. I mean, Borussia Dortmund, um, a link to Reynard, young kid from Manchester, uh, from, sorry, New York City FC, who of course, uh, linked with Manchester City. Um, and, uh, on the verge of signing him, that's because, you know, there's the academies over there are full with very good young talented players. 92,000, Chris. That's almost four times the population of the town I grew up in. So that is a, a phenomenal amount of kids in, in, in my eyes. Uh, but uh, to speak about a, another um, young uh, American star uh, in the making, uh, for RB Leipzig, uh, who uh, featured today, was Tyler Adams, um, who made his first start for RB Leipzig in a rather easy 4-0 victory over uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf. We did mention that the other high-scoring games weren't quite as easy as um, they may have suggested. Uh, this was, uh, well, done and dusted very early on, wasn't it, Manu? But but Tyler Adams um, looked rather promising, didn't he? Yeah, indeed he did. Um, I covered this game for Pro Soccer USA, which is my full-time gig over here in North America. So there there will be an article on both Davies, um, his debut, and Tyler Adams. Uh, more on Tyler Adams because he played the full 90 minutes and I thought he was very good. Um, he covered the, the most distance of all players on the field. He won the most duels of all players on the field. Uh, passing accuracy, this is something that I've addressed in the scout report I wrote uh, a few months back. Wasn't the best 80 80 it's good, but I mean, something that we know he has to work on a little bit, and that's because he plays a lot of risky passes. 
Um, he, he plays a lot of forward passes, but I think in general, he was, he was excellent. He was thrown into the cold water and, um, Düsseldorf, although Leipzig steamrolled over them, we have to remember Düsseldorf took four points of Bayern and of Dortmund. Um, so been very good against the better teams. Not so good in this team. <laughs> Chris, I was joking to you. I think Düsseldorf's biggest problem was that they were honoring the 1954, um, World Cup winning keeper Turek. Right. And all the field players were goal playing wearing goalkeeper shirts. So Renzing was a little bit confused. <laughs> yeah. He didn't have the, um, he didn't have the best day at the office. And yeah, he was directly at fault for two of the four Leipzig goals. But when you're down in the, um, although they've got that cushion, when you're down in that relegation area, sometimes it doesn't go for you. But I think we can go. Leipzig did play very well because before this game started, um, after Bayern Munich, the most informed side in the league were Fortuna Dusseldorf. And yeah, I thought Tyler Adams was, was exceptional very early on. He put a crunching tackle in. And, um, I know we have lots of listeners in England and, or sometimes, you know, European players and maybe North American players, do they put, you know, the tackle in? Are they as strong? And I'll tell you what, watch that first tackle and it's all the hallmarks of what you would call in inverted commas an English centre back tackle. There was, no messing about. So he is quite obviously a player who is willing to get stuck in and get involved. And um Ian Joy over at Fox said the biggest compliment he could play Tyler Adams on his debut was that he looks like he's already played 200 Bundesliga games. Now, while that is quite a lot, whilst maybe I wouldn't go that far, I would say that he looks very, very at home. And in the, in the piece I did for fushballstat.com, which is on there, you know, he is, although he's in Germany, he's in familiar surroundings. He's in the same colored kit, although it's sponsored by Nike from Adidas in, in the MLS. I think that's the only difference. He knows Jesse March. He knows the way that Leipzig play. He looks around the training ground. It's the same signs, the same sponsorship, the same colors, the same colored water bottles they're drinking. Oh, they're drinking out of. Everything is there for him to hit the ground running at Leipzig, a home from home. And he's pretty much started like that. So I'm really interested to see where he goes from there because I think of all the American imports at the moment Tyler Adams could be the one that maybe we're all talking about in 12-18 months the same way we were about Christine Pulisic two years ago Manu just uh, very quickly on Tyler Adams do you see him uh, starting the Friday night game against Hanover after this uh, rather impressive and comfortable uh, performance today? Yeah that's a a good question I think Ralf Rangnick is better to answer that one but I think Ralf Rangnick is quite keen of giving him the minutes and it be, you know, he played 90 minutes and he played very well. He didn't make a single mistake. And, um, Chris is quite right. He put, he put on the work and I think it'd be, why would you change it? But then again, Rangnick changes things all the time. Uh, he's, he's a bit of a, he, t- he, he changes his lineups, um, pretty much every match. So it could happen. But then again, they don't have a game in between. So. Uh, I think he would deserve another start, um, just from what I've seen today from him. I definitely think he would deserve another start. Yeah, well, here's hoping. It's it's always good to see young players like that get a chance. And as I said, RB Leipzig will be hoping to get a win against Hanover on Friday night. Just keep the pressure on Eintracht Frankfurt, who they will then play the game after, who are only three points behind them, chasing that Champions League spot. Um, guys, uh, one final question. To the both of you, it's a bit unplanned here, and um, it, it's something that we mentioned uh, last week. Um, I want, want your opinions very, very quickly. Um, next week, we see 
rather big sides come up against each other. We see uh, Bayern Leverkusen take on Bayern Munich, but we also see Eintracht Frankfurt take on Borussia Dortmund. Um, the question to both of you is, do you see either Bayern or or Borussia Dortmund dropping any points on that match day? And if so, who would it be? Chris, very briefly, what would your answer be? Uh, out of those two fixtures, I think the most likely to drop points would be Dortmund, and that's not nothing against them. I just think they're playing a very strong Eintracht Frankfurt side. Um, Bayern Munich may just have the upper on Bayer Leverkusen still. Um, it's going to be very interesting if there's a shift in any sort of points ways I think we could have a proper title race then. Yes, indeed. Um, and Manu, do you see either of the uh, teams in first and second dropping points next week? I think they could both drop points. How about that? Oh, but but how many points? You know, as, uh, the way Frankfurt played, if they play like they did against Werder Bremen, I think Dortmund will beat them. Um, but then again, they are a very, very good attacking side and Dortmund have had issues in defense. Um, so, you know, maybe they'll drop two points there. But then Bayern, who knows what Leverkusen is going to do next week. Um, they've been so hard to read. They did very well against Wolfsburg the week before they didn't. And it's been like that up and down for them all season long. So, I don't know. Bryce, if I make a prediction, it will be wrong anyway. So, uh, I'll just I'll just say that they both could be dropping points there. But wouldn't wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice for Peter Bosch to maybe pay Dortmund back a little bit by beating Bayer, uh, Bayern Munich and um, Dortmund beat Eintracht Frankfurt? I think maybe Bosch would be forgiven a little bit for his tenure at Dortmund should that happen. I think if it goes back to nine points, Chris, I can't see Bayern come back. That's that's where we at. That makes three of us. Oh, what a way to end the podcast. We definitely jinxed it now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, guys, uh, uh, thank you uh, for tuning in um, and listening to us um, as always. Um, If you want to get in touch with any of us or or the Football Grad Network, just uh, jump on Twitter and uh, give us a shout. We we always like to hear from you guys. Um, Chris, what have you got going on this week? Anything that you'd like to um, draw our listeners' attentions to? Well, we've got some historic stuff um, on the site. So there's a piece on um, Timo Werner and where he could end up if you're interested in in either Bayern, um, Munich, Liverpool or RB Leipzig. Um, have a look at that. Um, we've got all the reports from the games that I covered on the weekend. So the um, match day um, match report from Dortmund and also the thoughts from Schalke Hertha Berlin. But for next week... And we're going to start running a team of the Bundesliga team of the week. Um, and it will come out the same time as the podcast comes out. So I would ask listeners, get involved. We're going to put out um, the Football Grad Network Bundesliga team of the week. And it'll be based on who's been the best striker, who's been the best goalkeeper, etc. I'm pretty sure you can catch the drift of the way it's going to go. But get involved if you think that we're crazy because we've left maybe Sancho out, or you think that we're crazy because we've put the wrong goalkeeper in, let us know, get involved. You'll be able to see that from the next match day, starting match day 20. So we'll have 14 to run to the end of the season. Um, Yeah, just get involved and tell us where we're right, where we're wrong. What would you do? Who would you sack out of the three of us? Let us know. Probably Bryce. (laughs) Hey, 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 hey. All I have to say is, Bayern Leverkusen win the league, man, Oh well. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Chris, you've just asked for more interaction. 
on Twitter. I can't believe it. Brilliant. Uh, Manu, what have you got going on very quickly just before we wrap it up? Yeah, I think Chris uh, pretty much summed it up. There's, there's lots of great content on, on this week's games on, on foosballstadt.com. And then, of course, um, over on footballgrad.com, we have a bunch of very historical articles by very good authors. Um, so if you're into the more historic aspects of football, um, head over there and check that out. Yeah. And you can find me. Uh, you can find some of the, I write, as I said, I cover the financial aspects of German football for Forbes. And, um, I, I cover all the North Americans playing in the Bundesliga for Pro Soccer USA. So you can find my work on those two outlets as well. Yeah, guys, head over to at Football Grand Live if you want some, uh, fantastic articles by some very talented writers, not just my two colleagues here. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. And until next uh, weekend, when we may have the title all wrapped up, I'm going to say Auf Wiedersehen. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.